Ladies and gentlemen, fans of 80s wrestling, welcome. It is the Thursday before Labor Day, and we've got a very fun topic today. We're going to be serving hard times with the big boss man. My name is Jumpin' Jay. This is 80s Wrestling, the podcast. And as always, each and every week, I'm joined by Tommy, the long arm of the law, the arrow. Tommy, good morning, brother. <laughs> I, I always look forward to your your uh, my nickname for the week. That's a good one. What's the going on, man? Arm of the law. Listen, I'm not even going to ask about your uh, history, your past run-ins with the law enforcement up there in New Jersey. None of my business. I'm assuming you're squeaky clean, Tommy Fierro. But we got big things to discuss this week. I am. I How, am. I believe it, man. You uh, you walk the straight and narrow. You're too busy chasing down dreams to be causing any trouble. How was how was your week, right. man? It's been a week since we visited. Tell me what's going on in New Jersey. Ah, not much, man. Just uh, September first. So, uh, oh, the wrestling collector's phone is ringing. Phone's ringing off the hook already. As we're, as we're going live, I'm gonna have to. I'm not gonna have to answer this right now, though, because uh, we're live on the air. Sorry about that, Jumping Jay. It's, prob- it's probably Danny off- from the- Butler wondering when you're the opening the door. Phone's ringing off the hook at the uh, wrestling collector, conveniently located on Route 23 <laughs> in Stockholm, New Jersey. Pro Wrestling's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm no, that's, for, that's uh, cheap plugs are the best kind of plugs, my man. But you, oh, I, yeah. it, no doubt, you got something cooking on your end of the country. So what, what's going on in your world? Well, this weekend uh, it's going to be a light weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, so it's going to be slow in the area. Monday, however, on Labor Day, uh, we are going to be. If you live in the northern New Jersey area, ISPW is actually going to have a table at the Riverdale Street Fair. So if you're in the area in uh, northern Jersey, I'm going to be out there on uh, Labor Day this Monday promoting the good word of ISPW. So if you're in the area, come check us out and say hello. Uh, Next weekend, we have a big weekend at the Wrestling Collector on Friday, September 9th, and Saturday, September 10th. On the 9th, we're going to have D'Lo Brown and Brian Kendrick both appearing at the Wrestling Collector from 6 to 8 p.m. Again, that's next Friday at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey from 6 to 8 p.m. And then the following morning on uh, Saturday, September the 10th, I have Missy Hyatt appearing at the Wrestling Collector. She'll be there again from 11 to 1 p.m. next Saturday, September 10th. A little double shot action at the uh, Wrestling Collector next weekend. And how about you, Drummond Jay? I know, I know you and your family always throw a big shindig for Labor Day. Only invite the richest of the rich in Minnesota. And, and, and what's going on, man? What, what do you got cooking this weekend? I, I wish I lived the life that you that you uh, tell me I live. It's I know you do. I know you do. You can, you can pull one over the fans' eyes, the listeners' eyes, each and every week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, Jumpin' Jay. But I got a sneak peek in the real world, the real life of Jumping Jay. I saw that $2,500 purse that your wife had around her uh, shoulder when she was at 80s Wrestling Con back in May. I think you mean the purse that had $25 in it. I think that's what, <laughs> I think that's what you meant. It's going to be a pretty low-key weekend here for us, to be honest with you. Uh, Labor Day signals kind of the winding down of summer. We took our boys to their school's open house last night. 
School starts next week for them. So I think we're just going to be low-key, kind of getting ready for the transition back into school. Reality starts again next week for uh, lots of kids. Yeah, man. Same with uh, same with us. So we, I don't know what day you guys go back, but my daughter, I remember when I was a kid, we would always go back the day after Labor Day. Uh, for some reason, she's going back on, on next Thursday. She's got an extra two days off after Labor Day. It, it's <laughs> real, real quick, too, before we start talking about the awesome career of the big boss man. I, I saw a, a meme on Facebook yesterday. It was pretty funny just to tie into we're talking about with kids and going back to school. Like when me and you, Jay, when we were when we were young, we'd have to, you know, wake up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning and look at the bottom of the TV screen, you know, like the NBA draft style to see if you're going to have off that day, waiting for it to come across the bottom of the screen. Now, in 2022, kids get text messaged when they have to go to school. So it's a, it's a big difference from what me and you grew up with, right? Listen, these kids are getting soft these days, Tommy. Uh, I, I, yeah, they get the text message and I'll be honest, my kids, they're still relatively young. I got a, an eighth grader and a fourth grader. And I think already in their lifetime, they've had more days off because of weather than I ever had. And so oh, I think dude, they're in, in New Jersey. If the snowflake comes down, they, 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 they close school. See, isn't they, it something? I remember when we were kids, dude, it, It'd be three, four inch, three, four inches of snow out there, and we'd still have to be in school. You know, like nowadays, yep. if, if they if they say it's gonna snow, they they close the school down. But uh, that's another that's another uh, talk for another episode. But today, <laughs> who's not soft is the big boss man. What a wonderful career the big boss man had in professional wrestling. I know, growing up as a kid, Jay, he was one of my favorites, especially when he turned babyface. He was one of my favorites growing up as a kid. He had a Absolutely fantastic career, uh, long before the WWF as well. He broke in in uh, 1985 with Jim Crockett Promotions and then went to Universal Wrestling Federation, was the UWF, and uh, before he made his WWF debut in 1988. And uh, a great career. He had a lot of big matches, a lot of big moments. And I think that he's someone, Jay, that is definitely – under, I don't want to say underrated because not underrated, but it's, he's someone I believe that deserves more credit for the amount of um, the amount of fame and publicity WWF had during that golden era. You know, you have all the big guns from Hulk Hogan to Ultimate Warrior to Macho Man. Like you look at, see, I'm looking around at my store right now uh, and looking at some of that old merchandise that they had back in the day. Uh, with their pictures and likenesses on them. And Big Boss Man, uh, this is where I want to start today's conversation with you, Jay, is that he was one of those guys, especially when he turned babyface. He was one of the top babyfaces in the company, and the company produced a ton of merchandise for the Big Boss Man, whether it be you know T-shirts or the, um, the, the, the foam nightstick or you know Hasbro figures. Uh, sticker. I'm looking at it right now. With a, I'm looking at a big boss man sticker, a big giant sticker right now. So there was a lot of uh, merchandise uh, made of him as well when he, you know, was he was a babyface. So he's someone in, in my opinion. We had the same similar conversation about Brutus Beefcake, someone that was really, really popular for the company. And when you think about the true greats and the true needle movers in the WWF from that time frame. I think uh, many times that people are not thinking of the boss man, but he, he was he was a needle mover for that company at, at one point. 
You're absolutely right. And like you said, maybe underrated, not the term. Maybe it's underappreciated. Maybe people forget just how good he was. You got to remember, he broke into the WWF as a big time heel, one of those monster heels to work with Hulk Hogan. Very rarely does a big heel come into the company and transition successfully becoming one of the biggest baby faces in the company. And that's what Big Boss Man was able to pull off. He went from being one of the most heated people in the one most hated heels in the company to one of the most beloved baby faces. Like you said, his face is on a bunch of merch. And then not only that, he disappears from the company, goes, works other places, comes back in the Attitude Era, and is still able to make a big-time impact, contributions to main main event storylines and so his career is fantastic we're going to get all into it we're going to start by taking a call from one of the biggest baby faces on our show we're talking about brian the baby face brain from chico california good morning brian good morning jay good morning tommy baby face brian what's going on buddy hey not too much um yeah with uh with big boss man uh uh, what, the amazing thing to me is uh, that he was so young uh, when he came to the WWF. He had he had basically just turned 25 years old uh, in uh, I want to say uh, June is when he arrived in WWF, and and right off the bat, you know Hulk, I'm sure saw the talent and said that's the dude I want to work with. So after he squashed Coco at uh, SummerSlam, Bossman's next uh, big deal was. Uh, fighting with, you know, neck and neck with Savage, the top guy in the company, Hulk Hogan. And, uh, and that's actually the, the only time I got to see Hulk in person was uh, the Saturday night's main event taping. It was the dark match, um, November 88, where uh, in the, uh, on Saturday night's main event, Randy went against uh, Andre the Giant, but the dark match uh, was big boss man against Hulk Hogan. So I was pretty fortunate to get to see that go down in person um the you know the other interesting thing with boss man is if you ever watch some fairly old school uh nwa uh, he started out as a as an enhancement talent and you know he you can see him uh take a superplex from not a superplex but a uh a slingshot suplex from tolly blanchard and it's it's that's something that tolly you know He's a huge talent, but you don't get that move over unless the other guy knows how to to allow you to get that over. So, seeing seeing him, uh, you know, make Tully look great and other superstars look great. Dusty and the Bookers and NWA saw the talent right away, and and I'm sure he was uh, a little green on the microphone, so they put him in the in the role of uh, of bodyguard as Big Bubba for for Jim Cornette. But, you know, soon in 86, he's basically, you know, main eventing with the booker, the the top baby face of the company, uh, Dusty Rhodes. They're winning bunkhouse stampedes all over the, the place. And uh, and that's the guy Dusty wants to work with. They, you know, NWA buys UWF and, and boss man. Uh, is the one they choose to go ahead and beat uh, One Man Gang when One Man Gang is going to make the uh, switch over to WWF. So Bossman was one of only four UWF world champions with uh, Terry Gordy, uh, Steve Williams, 
uh, and one man gang. And, uh, you know, and that, to me, that was pretty cool. UWF was a fun promotional watch. And I know it was at the tail end there as NWA had purchased them, but everywhere this guy went as just a, you know, super young green talent, everybody saw that talent and they put him at the top of the card. So even, you know, with Hulk Hogan, he wins the title from Macho Man at WrestleMania five after uh boss man and and at that time akeem helped to uh basically form and and uh set not form but helped to put over the mega powers and then had that whole angle where uh they're against them on the main event and the mega powers explode and set up the main event of, of wrestlemania 5 but after hogan wins the title his first opponent is the boss man and we get that amazing spot where Hogan superplexes uh, Bossman off the top of the cage in his first title defense on TV on Saturday night's main event. And again, you, that's, that's some talent to be able to get suplexed off the top of the cage. And I want to say he did it around the country at house shows, you know, night after night where Bossman, this, you know, close to 400 pound man is taking a superplex off the top of the cage. So, the, the talent on such a young guy is just off the charts and, and Dusty comes in and um, joins WWF and, and, you know, he's done with the Hogan run. So Dusty, you know, Hey, let me work with the boss man. I'm sure. So they put Dusty in a few with boss man. And, and where do you go after you've, after you've battled the two, you know, two of the most popular guys in the history of wrestling, Hulk and Dusty. Well, go ahead and switch him babyface now, but now he can fight the heels. So, it's it's just an amazing uh, career and and such an underrated talent. One of the, one of the guys, as far as a big man, that he was so ahead of his time. So uh, it's something where uh, his family should be proud of of the things that that guy accomplished in his career, and and really amazed at at, at how much he did at such a young age. When you mentioned that he broke into the World Wrestling Federation at just 25 and started feuding with Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, I was thinking to myself, what was I doing at 25? I can't imagine being that young and stepping into the kind of spotlight that he had to step into and doing just a fantastic job. But maybe you guys can tell me, where were you at age 25 and would you been ready to step into a main event spot against Hogan? I'm ready, brother. Right now, I'm ready. I was ready when I was 25. I'm ready right now when I'm 45. It's an open challenge. I think the, anyone out there in this I think Tommy was, Tommy was ready at 16, man. Tommy was the... Tommy was booking talent. You guys were both right. I, I enjoyed listening to uh, what you guys were saying. Um, yeah, he, he, he walked right into a top spot, pretty much. And, you know... He goes from being in the UWF as, you know, Big Bubba Rogers and NWA, and then all of a sudden it was pretty it was pretty quick that he got, he got you know, put to the top of Hogan. And I, and I remember I was there. I was there live at Madison Square Garden when that happened, when Hogan superplexed Big Boss Man off the top of that steel cage. I was there. I saw it live as a kid. And it looked just as more impressive in person does it than it did on TV, and you go back and watch it. Um, I, I know it was off the steel cage and the on the big one, but this was a. And I'm, I'm not sure if this match was televised or not, but I'm 99% sure it was a steel cage match 
at the Garden with Bossman and Hogan. I was there for it, and I saw it. I, I know they, they did it on Saturday night's main event, but I think, I'm pretty sure they went around the loop uh, too, didn't they? Yeah, I believe they did it all over the place, yeah. which yeah, is just, I just, phenom- I just phenomenal. Not. I, I remember it, though. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they went all around the, the horn with that match. And I also remember, off, off topic really quickly, just talking about Madison Square Garden, I didn't go to Madison Square Garden all the time because I, I lived in New Jersey and I was kidding. Once in a while, we would go uh, to MSG as well. So I remember that match specifically. I remember, um, I remember being there as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as I was in the seventh row, and I caught rugged Ronnie Garvin's towel when he wrestled against Greg the Hammer Valentine. So I remember being there for that. And I also remember being there for uh, Hulk Hogan and Harley Race in that Texas death match. I remember I was there that night as well. So, yeah, I, I, I had a couple – unique experiences at the garden, but I was, like I said, I was more of a, a Meadowlands arena. Well, it was called Brendan Byrne arena back then in the eighties for WWF. But um, yeah, man, I just wanted to say real quick, jump in and say, yeah, he, he was pretty much thrusted into a, a, a pretty top spot very, very quickly uh, considering just, you know, get, working his way up the, the, the ladder that quickly against Hogan. And uh, it seems, and I want to get both your opinions on this as well. It seemed anything you put in front of him. Uh, he, he made it work, and he everything he touched pretty much turned to gold because he was success, he was extremely successful as a heel, and then also extremely successful as a babyface, and, and that's the best guys in this industry that can do both and make money doing them both. And he's one of those guys you put like again you, you don't probably think of him like you think of who 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 are the top guys that work heel and babyface. Obviously Hogan, you think of Piper, you think of Macho Man. So you're thinking of all these big names that drew money, but Bossman drew money too, especially when he became a babyface. Because at that point, you know, he, you can start marketing his likeness, whether it be the shirts or the, the posters or the hats. I remember I remember I had a big Bossman hat when I was a kid. So they did a lot of merchandise on him as well. So uh, he, he's someone that I think that needs to be uh, spoke of more in conversation when you're talking about people that drew money for the company back then at that time. Definitely. Yeah. And the, uh, I mean, you, you name the top guys right there, Hogan, Piper, Savage, uh, before them, I guess you'd just, you'd have to almost go back to, uh, uh, Jimmy Snuka and Sergeant Slaughter, as far as guys that tore the house down as, uh, as heels and then and went even further as baby faces. And yeah, boss man, uh, you know, a lot of people say he, he might've been number two baby face for a short time there. And, uh, you know, behind Hogan, uh, after he did turn face, so he was he was hugely popular, and and I I, I want to mention too, I can't believe the lightning in a bottle of uh, of Tommy Fierro. You, I thought you got you know Lanny Poffo's frisbee was lucky, and then you get Ronnie Garvin's <laughs> towel. I mean, yeah, I, you were just like a magnet for uh, for good fortune at WWF events back in the day. Yeah, hey, I think, I think, dude, I think a, that was listen. I think that between I think I might have mentioned this on a past episode too, or. So between catching Lanny Poffo's Frisbee and Ronnie Garvin's towel, both when I was a kid, it was destined that I'd be a part of the wrestling business. I, be- I believe that. I-, I really do believe that. I think that both of those That's catches it. were good luck catches, man. Well, you, either you got uh, Jerry Rice hands or you were a uh, much cuter kid, you know, something, <laughs> something's going on. Baby face Brian. Right on, man. Well, uh, you know, boss man, like you say, that's it, just the the talent was undeniable, uh, and 
and and like you said, the most important thing in the business, from from your perspective, uh, or, or from your point of view, is is drawing fans and drawing money. And he could do it as a as a heel. He could do it as a face. And they put him on top wherever he went. So, uh, had career and and what a what a talent. Like we said. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you calling in as always. Babyface Brian, all the way out there in Chico, California. Thanks, brother. We'll, uh, we look forward to Thank talking you. to you next week. Have, hope you and your family have a great Labor Day weekend. Yeah, it's only supposed to be 108, so we should be good. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> all you right, brother. Take care. Thanks going, again. Man. All right. Thank you, you too, Brian. Conversation off to a great start. And our phones are lighting up. And I think this is the gentleman, Tommy, that was calling the wrestling collector, seeing if he can get in, get one of those big boss man squirt heads, or maybe a wrestling buddy. Who knows? But you didn't answer your phone there, so we got to answer our phone here. It's Danny from Butler, New Jersey. Good morning, Danny. Tommy, Jumping Jay, how's it going? Good, man. Hey, Jumping Jay. Brian had a... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, Danny was in the store yesterday with his son, Lucas. That's did we Do we make a purchase or are we just window shopping? No, he made a purchase. Has there, ever, has there ever been a time, Tommy, that I've walked into your store and, and left empty-handed? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't do the jumping J. You don't do the jumping. We're going to call that the jumping J. You didn't jump, you didn't jump in J me. Wait, listen, man. Don't, <laughs> no. Listen, don't be spreading that rumor. I made <laughs> some purchases. I took some five finger discounts. I did some business. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on, man. The guy, the guy flew out from Minnesota for your convention, man. So I think that right there speaks enough. Hell yeah, like, Danny. You, Thank you, you, Danny. You, you gotta. But you, like I said, if you walk into the wrestling collector, it's kind of, it's very difficult to walk out empty handed. It's just, I don't think, like I said, if you're true diehard wrestling fan and you have a seven-year-old uh, tagging along next to you, it's virtually impossible. Hey, <laughs> Danny, as long as we got you on the phone, I want to tell you something, brother. So my wife, as a hobby, is into scrapbooking. You, where you take photos of special events and you make these cool pages in a scrapbook and the memory lives on forever, okay? She's very talented at it. She just got done scrapbooking the page of our trip out to New Jersey and Danny, there's a picture of me, you, and your son Lucas in that scrapbook, and so that'll oh, be a memory awesome. that I keep forever. That is, that is, that is awesome. That's a, that's a, I'm flattered uh, that I'm actually going to be in a, in a, one of your keepsakes. That uh, you know, what I'm saying, and I'm pretty sure we'll do it again uh, uh, come May 6 of uh, 23. And I, and, and I've been showing that scrapbook off. I've been showing that scrapbook off to everybody, and I point to that picture, and I say, this is when I met The Rock, you guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they, they all said the same, too. Um, as far as I, when we talk about the boss man, uh, you know, I, I got to give credit to Brian, uh, you know, Babyface Brian. He, he pretty much he uh, rattled everything off. He, st- he, he stole my thunder, but, you know, a guy that had success, both as a, as a baby face and a heel, you know, he came in, uh, you know, I guess summer of 88, you know, he came in, you see his little promos, you know, uh, cutting promos in, in cell blocks, talking about, you know, his hard time and all that. Um, had a, you know, 
his first, I guess, uh, big appearance was at the first SummerSlam. You, you know, he had a, a pretty decent match with Coco. Um, then you go uh, on, you know, like it's right away. Like, you know, he pretty much got skyrocketed to a main event scene at such a short time. You know, you get the, the brother love uh, angle where he uh, pretty much, uh, you know, he, he beats uh, Hogan with the, with the nightstick, pretty much uh, setting, you know, sowing the seeds for a, a nice little run. You know, obviously he gets he gets paired up with Akeem at the time, who just turned into Akeem after being a one-man gang. They become the Twin Towers, and you know they're involved in one of the greatest storylines of all time. Like Brian Brain said in the main event, uh, you know, you know, Savage gets thrown out of the ring. We all know what happens. He lands on on on, on Miss Elizabeth, and you know the rest is history. The Mega Powers explode, sets up the main event for WrestleMania Five. Uh, but you know they uh. Like I said, boss man, you know, we talk about great steel cage matches. That one at, uh, was in May of 89, right after WrestleMania 5. You know, that was one of the best cage matches of all time. I was watching it with Lucas last night on the Peacock. And, you know, for, you know, like to, to be able to do that suplex off the top rope, you know, two pretty big guys and, you know, boss man being a, 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 a you know, heavyweight that he was, you know, that was executed perfectly. You know, he, you know, Hogan wasn't, known for those types of high-risk moves and to, for them to pull it off, you know, that it speaks volumes on, on you know, the, how he made, you know, the people that he worked with great. You know, he did that, you know, then you got, I think, you know, at the end of the summer of 89, you got the Twin Towers, they had a few with Demolition for a little bit. They they, they had a, a six-man match at the SummerSlam 89 with uh, Andre on their side and you had uh, the Demolition and Axel Jim Duggan together. Um, then, you know, eventually, I, I know when, when he turned heel, I mean, when he turned face, I'm, I, I kind of forget how he turned face. I know it had some, I, it was something to do with, with a million dollar man. I don't remember exactly how it was, but I don't know if it was something about an exchange of money or something that he, uh, he took offense to. So that uh, was the, you know, the turning point of him uh, becoming a, a baby face. And, you know, he goes, you know, obviously he goes on a, on a great run as a baby face. You know, I remember, you know, being at SummerSlam 91 at the, the jailhouse match with the Mountie. Uh, that they had a pretty good uh, run together. You know, he had a, you know, he was able to, you know, be in a big spot at WrestleMania 7 with uh, Mr. Perfect. And when he had a, that whole feud, with, uh, I felt like he feuded with everybody in the Eden family. But, you know, some, you know, a tremendous... You know, tremendous career. You know, he definitely made a lot of money. You know, he made a. a I know I had a, a ton of his uh, merchandise, whether it be the Hasbro. You know, the, I, I I definitely had the the foam nightstick. I had caps. You know, it was just, you know, a tremendous. Uh, you know, performer from uh, top to bottom, whether it was a good guy or a bad guy, uh, he knew how to deliver. You right on the money. Danny, he knew how to deliver. My question for you. Yeah, I just I had a great question for you while you were talking, and then I lost it. You had a brain fart, is what you're saying. I I'll, did. I'll, it I'll, literally I'll just happened. I got to write these questions down when they come to me. It's okay, Jay. That's why I'm here for brother. You make the hot tag to me, and I'll come in and make the save for you. So that's what I'm doing right now. So to follow up on what, uh, what you were saying. Yeah, man, he, he it's, I don't, again, I want to say, I don't want to say, um, underrated is not the right word, 
and I don't I don't even think underappreciated is either Jay because I, I definitely think that I think that they, he definitely was appreciated and I think that he was pushed really good. I just think that when you think about eighties wrestling, especially in that time frame like eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety, during like the really, really big WWF run, you know, you're thinking of Hogan and you're thinking of Savage and you're thinking of, you know, Andre and you're thinking of, you know, DiBiase. And it's one guy, though, that really, Jake, you think of, so the one guy that is, was right up there near the top of the card with all those guys was Boss Man. And I think, <clears throat> I don't want to say, uh, so I don't want to say underutilized. I don't want to say underappreciated. Um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, I guess you could say over, overlooked. in a way. Overlooked. Does that, does that make more yeah, sense? You get lost. You get lost in the shuffle uh, with, a, with a roster that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's stacked. At that time, sure. you know, it's uh, you know, just like I, I say, I always said it, you know, that in that era of you know late eighties and early nineties, you had how many great tag teams that you had that this, that could have been the tag team chance, but didn't get the opportunity because the roster was so stacked. Yeah, man, I think I think you bring up a really good point there, and I want Jay, I want to get your feedback on this as well. I think that he just hit the the nail right on the head, and just that it wasn't that he wasn't really underutilized or underappreciated or underrated, I'm sorry, they're underrated is the word I meant, it's that he was in a, a, a talent pool that was probably the biggest named talent pool altogether in one promotion the one, at one time in the history of professional wrestling. So I think that might be a really good point you just made there. What do you think about that, Jack? I think that's a great way to look at it. When we look at the landscape of the World Wrestling Federation at this time, what they did really well was make stars. Everybody on that card was a star in their own right. And so, like you said, the talent pool is just so deep at this time that even if you're as talented as someone like the big boss man, you maybe aren't allowed to shine at the level that you otherwise would if the talent pool wasn't quite so deep. The question I had for you, gentlemen, it came back to me as you guys were just talking. Big boss man is one of these guys that – was so talented, was so over as a babyface that they never really put any kind of title on him. And so my question for you guys was, do you think it would have, is he one of these guys that didn't need a championship or is he one of these guys that it just never aligned for him to win one? Because he was really good at working with big men and he was really good at working with smaller guys who were a little fast paced. I think of his, his matches with Mr. Perfect as being one of my all-time favorite rivalries of his. Could he have benefited from an IC run, or could the Twin Towers have benefited from a tag team run at that time? What's your guys' thought on Big Boss Man and championship titles? You can go. You can go first, uh, Danny. Um, I don't. I think, in a way, he. In a, I think he was just up there, like, like a Jake the Snake. That I don't think the title. I don't think he really needed it. Would it would have helped him? I, I think he would have. He was deserving. Absolutely, he would have been a. He would have. I think he would have been a. You know, he would have been like the the that, that first super heavyweight, I guess, to have that uh, icy title run. Um, it would have. Like I said, it would it would have helped him, but it definitely didn't. It, he didn't. You know, it didn't. You know, hurt him not having that run. I mean, I, I think I personally think uh, twin the twin towers would have made a a great uh, run as a. A heel tag team champions at the time, uh, 
if they would have been uh, if they would have booked it that way with a uh, demolition. Obviously, you know the the brainbusters got that that slot, but you know it it, it worked. It would have worked. I think it would have benefited him and Akeem because I think they were such great big men and, and both great workers. As far as his singles run, I don't think it really would have affected him uh, that much. I don't. I think he was that good that he didn't need it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play off what Danny just said. I, I agree with there. First of all, I agree with everything you just said, Danny. Uh, I, I, I would have liked to. I, I'm intrigued, like looking back on the history of professional wrestling, like from that, that time frame. I'm intrigued to see what he would have looked like as the Intercontinental Champion because he would have been a badass. Uh, hard guy to beat for that title where back then they didn't really switch the title very often. Um, I, I don't... I, I don't Just because just the dynamic of how they booked Hogan back then where, you know, he just he, he just fed him different heels you know, every couple months. I think that during that time frame, it wouldn't have made sense um, business-wise to get Blossom in the title because they had that dynamic of just feeding everyone to Hogan, which obviously worked because they made so much money. So I, I can't I can't picture him as the world champion only because I know that I know what their formula was back then and I agree with that formula that he did. However I'm intrigued by seeing him as the intercontinental champion as a hail. As a hail. Uh as a baby face, sure, he could have easily had the intercontinental title as well. Um I think that uh his career was really, really fantastic. I don't think he needed to have a belt. However I definitely don't think it would have hurt it having him as the Intercontinental Champion, either as a, a heel or a babyface in either run, because he did extremely well in both runs as both heel and face. And also, uh, like Danny said, it would have been cool to see maybe the, the Twin Towers have a run as, as tag team champions. Again, uh, definitely two chances they could have threw a belt on him, whether it be the tag team or Intercontinental. At the end of the day, I don't think it matters because he had a fantastic career and is one of those, you know, pop culture names that we'll never forget anyone that watches wrestling. But, uh, yeah, it would have been cool, I think, to see him as the IC champion. I, I, definitely IC champion, uh, either as a heel or babyface. Great answers from both of you gentlemen. I think, like you guys are hinting at, he's one of those characters that it never lined up for him, and that's okay. His legacy is still rock solid without a significant championship in the World Wrestling Federation. What he do you would think, later win, what's, your, what's your take? Well, he would later win the hardcore, and he would later win the tag team championship uh, with Ken Shamrock. But I don't – I'm talking about that, that heart of 80s wrestling in the late sure, 80s, early sure. 90s. I think he would have looked great with the Intercontinental title strap, but I know a lot of the times they had – if they had a babyface heavyweight champion, they'd want a heel IC champion – and so it had been a, a heel boss man with the belt. And I think he would have done a fantastic job with it. I think the thing about Big Boss Man is every interview I see about him, everyone says he was the nicest guy. He was willing to do whatever they asked of him. And so I think he's the type of guy that has the attitude that he's going to make anything work and pour his heart and soul into it. So I think a heel IC champion boss man would have been a fantastic boss man to see. But I don't think not winning a championship hurt his legacy in any way. Good answer. All, all good answers. I, 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 one more. Well, I know I, we, uh, I've been on the topic for a while, but before I get off, I, uh, I just got to ask uh, Jay something. I was having this conversation with Tommy yesterday at the store. What do you uh, 
what do you think uh, of the direction now with WWE now that Triple H is running the show? My gut instinct is that it's very exciting. I think I have a hesitation whether or not Vince McMahon is actually fully out of the business or if he's still in Triple H's ear or Stephanie's ear. Because I think it'd be hard for a guy like Vince McMahon to actually 100% walk away. But if enough creative control is let go to where Triple H gets to make some of the decisions that he's been wanting to make, I think it's a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan because I think uh, anytime change is scary, but change a lot of times is good. And so I think Triple H is more in tune with what current day wrestling fans are looking for and what the wrestling industry is in need of. And so it's a very exciting time. I think if you're a wrestling fan, um, Danny, what say you, what's your feeling on it? Um, I kind of, I, I kind of agree with you on that part. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is, I mean, obviously you, you're seeing that little by little, they're starting to bring talent back that uh, didn't pan out or just didn't work out with because of politics. And, uh, I, I like the fact that they're actually giving meaning to the, the secondary titles again. Like, you know, you see what they're doing with the U.S. title. You see what they're doing with the, the IC belt, that, which is actually going to be defended on a pay-per-view. You know, they had, like, all these, they had, like, these uh, vignettes of, like, the, you know, the, you know the, the history of the lineage of the title. So I think they're, you know, actually, those, you know, making those secondary titles important again it opens up the doors for a lot of uh, the the younger talent to be actually, you know, to, you know, make an impact. So that's something that's been lacking for a long time. Do you think Vince McMahon is completely out of the picture? Um, it, not, probably not a hundred percent, but I, I definitely think that he's, he's, he's kind of taking a seat and I think, just from what the product has shown that he, that Triple H has that his his hand on the post and and he's uh, like I said I, I think he's definitely calling the shots right now. I mean like I said we we never know but I definitely think that the the product right now is is in better shape than it, it has been for a long time and they actually like I said they're actually listening to the to the you know they're actually listening to what the fans want compared to, you know, you know, going back and forth to the same thing over and over again. I like that. I like that. That's a fair answer. Danny, yeah, thank man. you so much for calling in, man. You're, it's always a joy to talk to you. Hey, guys, always a pleasure. Thanks for the platform, and uh, you guys have a, a tremendous uh, Labor Day weekend. Hey, Danny, real quick before you head off. So we, our, our, our big three callers that we know are going to call in every week are you – Toto with Tom, who's now a heel, Toto with Tom, and baby face Brian, the brain. So we need a nickname for you as well. And because, uh, you know, the other two guys got gimmicks. So I think we're going to call you, man, if it's okay with Jay, the walking encyclopedia of professional wrestling, Danny from Butler. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not creative. I, I'll have to maybe uh, Lucas could give me a, a nickname, but if I can't come up with it, I have that, that, that works for me. The walking encyclopedia. That, that, that's a good ring to it. All right, man. Well, you have a great Labor Day weekend. Thanks for stopping in yesterday to the Wrestling Collector, man, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. All right, brothers. You guys uh, take care. All right, All right you too, Danny. Thank you so much. 
the walking encyclopedia of wrestling. I love it. It's short. It's concise. It'll look good on a business card. <laughs> yes. Speaking <laughs> of business card, it's now time for the biggest hail in 80s wrestling podcast history. Toto Tom. Toto Tom. Welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Toto Tom, please hold. Toto Tom, please hold. He's a very busy man, Tom. Toto Tom, please hold. Yeah, I can tell. Toto Tom. Toto Tom, please hold. Toto Tom, please hold. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Esmeralda's out today. Um, and I've been answering the phones. Esmeralda. <laughs> What's going on, man? I actually think – I haven't seen her in a whole week. I think she got pissed at me last week when I was yelling about my coffee and how I wanted it to be made. I haven't seen her for a whole week, so uh, I might be looking for a new assistant. Help one. You know, nice. if, you know anyone, if you know anyone who wants to help out Totowa Tom uh, here in Totowa. Breaking news. I'm, I'm actually scrolling – I hate to say I'm scrolling through uh, my news feed as we're taping this live right now, but I am. And I just saw part. We're just we're just talking about current wrestling right now. I guess I just want to bring this uh, to the table. Uh, PW Insider reported about 15, 20 minutes to that. Braun Strowman is uh, reportedly coming back to the WWE. So they've been bringing back a lot of talent, and uh, he's definitely. I it scratched my head when he was let go from the company because at one point, I mean, they they had done, they were doing a really fantastic job building him up. As a big star for the company, he was extremely over uh, with that audience. So I found it weird uh, and a little odd that he, he was let go, but it looks like they're bringing him back. So, I mean, I think that's a good thing because he's someone that definitely connected with the audience. I agree. Um, talking about uh, earlier what you were, you were mentioning, um, Jay, about the big boss man and uh, needing a title belt or not. And I think big boss man falls into one of those uh, characters that didn't need any titles because if you remember back in the 80s, a lot of the wrestlers that didn't have titles around their waist, they did have something else. They had a gimmick. And I'm just going to you know, go over a few for you. So the big boss man came to the ring with his nightstick. You know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan came with his two-by-four. Jake the Snake Roberts came with his snake. JYD came with his chain. Ted DiBiase came with his million-dollar belt. All these wrestlers, Harley Race, he came with his king's uh, crown. All these wrestlers never had any type of run as a champion, and they didn't need it because they had the gimmick. They did bring something to the ring. It wasn't 10 pounds of gold, but it was a, a gimmick. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. I was thinking about that before when you guys were talking about it. Your thoughts? I wonder if that's intentional on Vince McMahon and the creative team's part, because you're absolutely right. A lot of wrestlers in this time period had an accessory. They had something they would carry to the ring as part of their gimmick. And a lot of the times that whatever that item was is what ended up being turned into a merchandise thing to sell to kids and, and to, to wrestling fans. And so maybe somewhere in the locker room, as Vince McMahon is dreaming up characters, his thing is you got to bring something to the ring. If you're not the champion, what can you bring? That's a very interesting thing to think about. Yeah, that, it actually really is, man. If you, let's look back all three of us real quick while, while I run that subject. I know it's a little off topic of big boss, man, but it's an interesting topic. So let's look back during that time frame. 
uh, 88, 89, 90. Um, you know, you've got to put animals into that equation as well. So, like, Coco Beware had Frankie, and Jake the Snake had Damien, and the British Bulldogs had Matilda, and, you know... But they did uh, carry a belt, though. They did carry belts, the Bulldogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm talking not, I'm about talk- who didn't have title runs. They had something else. You know what I'm trying no, to no, say? No, 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 I understand that. I'm, I'm just talking yeah. about, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking out loud oh, here how many right. different okay. opportunities sure. these yeah. people had to, to reproduce merchandise on, as I'm saying. So, like, if, oh, if that was the line of thought, it's okay. really a smart line of thought because, like, all those different accessories Photo like you Tom, said. Please hold. Sorry, I'm just too popular. Did you? All right, did, man, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to cut this 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 one short today, brother. <laughs> Wait, Totoa, when you were listing your wrestlers, did you mention because Brutus Beefcake's another one had the giant shears? Yeah, yeah, never really had the never had the title, had the shears. You know, next time I talk to Dave Meltzer, I'll bring it up to them. Meltzer, by the way, says I am the greatest uh, podcast caller ever in the history of this industry. You might be you might be barred after this week for cutting me off while I was talking. <laughs> You'll be serving hard time next week, Toto with Tom. He's, you know what? He's barred from calling in next week. No, he Toto with Tom cannot call in next week. That's your Don't punishment. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. All right, I have one other thing to talk about with the boss man. Um, looking at his attire from the '80s, if you think about it, would that get up works today? I can't imagine somebody wearing a policeman's uniform to the ring. And it makes me think that Boss Man's character actually reflects society because back in the 80s, been in the 90s and the 2000s, they brought him back again, and he was all in black. Remember? Yeah, yeah, I do remember. He was all in black. I don't know if that was a reflection of society at that time. Maybe it is. But... I, I don't know if it was. It might have been a situation where they, you know, they were just bringing him back with a new coat of paint on him, you know? Because um, they were still doing a, it was still a, 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 a cop gimmick. I think I think that was just more of just a switched up a little bit. But it's a good point. Today it, it definitely wouldn't work, uh, Tom, just because of all the you know obviously the the world has changed now than from you know 30 years ago. But yeah, I don't think that character would uh, it would get too much flack on, on on social media because you know everyone is offended by something. But uh, yeah, man. So listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it some thought about not, I'm not barring you next week. Hopefully you learn your lesson not to cut me off while I'm talking, young man. <laughs> you, you, you're threatening Toto with Tom, the man who put more eyeballs in ISPW than anyone by running Toto a day? You're this going to bar Toto with Tom, the man who built the Toto with PAL, who is now called the ISPW Arena? You're going <laughs> to ban Toto with Tom, who is Tony Atlas's favorite handler of all time? It's true. Yeah. I'm going to wait, have wait, to give, it, I'm have to give him a second thought. I, I, I will say, Jumping Jay, that Toto with Tom did do uh, Toto a Day. And I got to say, and I, I, I think I mentioned this on a, a past episode, it was my favorite show all year long uh, that I was a part of. That was not 80s Wrestling Con. It was, it was Toto a Day. So I'm looking forward to uh, doing that. So for that reason alone, Tom, I, I promise I won't block your number for next week. But please, brother, let, let, me, let me get my thoughts out next time. You got it. All right, buddy. Total Tom, out. See that I'm always the baby face in the end, Jay. That listen, you, you always you, you always do the right thing at the end. He, he, uh, he, did, he did cut me off though. 
he did cut you off, and uh, you put him in his place, but you're gracious enough to invite him back next week. Tommy, it's been a fun hour so far. We've covered a lot of things, but you and I really haven't talked to each other about our favorite memories and moments from the career of the Big Boss Man. Some of them were brought up by callers, but now that it's just you and I for the time being, let me ask you, when you hear the name Big Boss Man, are there two, maybe three things that immediately jump to your mind? Well, yeah, first and foremost is that steel cage match with Hulk Hogan. Um, I just, uh, I'll never forget as a kid, seeing Hulk Hogan superplex him off the the cage was absolutely a moment that stands in time for me as a kid. Uh, For some reason, and I mean, I think a big boss man, during the Attitude Era, when uh, didn't he kill? Um, didn't he kill Al? Didn't he show up at? He did a couple mess up things. Didn't <laughs> he, he did. show up at, at, at Big Show's father's wake? Like he stole the the casket from Big Show's dad or mom or something? Yes, yes, he did. And then yes, didn't he, did. he feed? Didn't he cook up <laughs> Al Snow's dog and feed it to him? He did. It was. It, they brought back the very successful uh, Quake Burger segment from Earthquake and Damien, and yeah, he made he made Al Snow eat his own dog. <laughs> I know, and I know, I know. This is primarily uh, <laughs> '80s wrestling talk and topic, but uh, I, I just remember how horrible that was watching it. You know, as a young adult, I'm in my you know, you know, twenties at this time, watching this man steal his father out of the. <laughs> out of the casket and like, I mean, it hooked it, hooked the casket and took off with it. And then big shows like jumping on it to try and try and get his dad. It was, it was just so bad in like the worst way possible. It's funny. I'm not laughing at it. It, just, it was just bad. I remember him being part of that. And then also the, the dog food too. But uh, as far as the eighties run goes, obviously uh, the twin towers, him with, Optim, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. With, with, with slick. I remember, you know, the big match he had against Hogan and, and Savage on uh, the main event, which led to the start of the Hulk Hogan Macho Man uh, feud. It was after that match. So that match stands out to me as, as one of his biggest uh, his biggest moments because, I mean, there were so many eyeballs on that during prime time as well. So that match, Hogan's uh, steel cage match, and just really, you know, he, he was just a, a big part of, for me, in my opinion, pop culture that 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 area that era for WWF during the Attitude Era. I'm not Attitude Era. I'm sorry, the the Golden Era. Uh, he he just one of those guys that. And Danny was right earlier by saying it was like such a stacked roster. Like he, I don't want to say he was lost in the shovel because he definitely wasn't because the guy got a fantastic run both as a heel and a face. But I, I think that uh, when he says lost in the shuffle, maybe for us as far as looking at that huge talent pool of all those names that were associated with the company back then that he's not one of the first guys that come to mind because there was such a huge deep roster of big name talent back then. I think that's more of uh, more of the reason why we're not thinking him immediately, but he's someone that contributed unbelievably uh, to the popularity of the promotion at that time and also driving sales as far as revenue goes for merchandise because when he was a baby face, he was one of the top baby faces. And, uh, and then also how about, uh, wasn't he in the main event of SummerSlam 1990 teaming 
Uh, was it was it Hulk? He was in that match as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he teamed <clears throat> with Hogan. Was that SummerSlam yeah. or was that Survivor Series? What am I thinking? I believe it was SummerSlam. I could be wrong. Let me let me Google it right Take now. That oh no, I think, I'm sorry. Machine. Hulk Hogan and Earthquake at wasn't the tag match of SummerSlam '90. You type that into the into the Google machine and you find out. I'll give you my three moments that pop into my head while you're doing a little bit of research. My first moment is I'm sorry, the Twin I'm wrong, Towers. I'm wrong about that, by the way, Jay. I was thinking I was thinking tugboat. Was it tugboat and Hogan against Earthquake and Dino Bravo? There oh, they did they, 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 they change it though, didn't they? I think they changed it. I think so you I might be right. right. Hold on. Before, yeah, hold on. Before you give me, before you give me your, uh, yeah. let's, let's, let's get to the bottom of this. If I'm right, I'm gonna be happy here. I'm, so I'm, SummerSlam '90 was advertised as Tugboat and Hogan, but yeah. it got changed to Bossman and Hogan. Oh, so I'm right then. You were right. Yeah. So that match also, um, and, and it, it was it was a singles match, but Bossman was in Hogan's corner, I believe. Correct. Yes. It wasn't a tag match. Yeah, it was a singles match. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It says Hulk yep. Hogan with Big Boss Man defeated Earthquake with Jimmy Hart and Dino Bravo by countout. Uh, that was actually not even the main event. The main event that wrestle uh, that SummerSlam was Warrior and Rude in the cage. Rude. What what what, what what's the what happened? Because I just I just Googled it and I did see Tugboat uh, originally well, in Hogan. If, what happened? You, that? Do you know the story on that? Google, if you Google Google SummerSlam 1990 and look at images, you will see the exact same poster. One of them had – there's two versions of the exact same poster. One of them has Tugboat behind Hogan. The other one has Big Boss Man behind Hogan. So clearly they were so far into the advertising of it that they already had the posters made, and they then had to switch it. Huh. Interesting. It's kind of wild to see the same poster with two different yeah, yeah, yeah. setups there. So, yeah, that so, was a big moment for Bossman as well as, as being in that, you know, that marquee match in Hogan's Corner. So, I mean – Obviously, the, the company had him positioned as one of the top baby faces in the company at this time if he's, if he's Hogan's buddy, you know what I mean? Exactly. No, he's one of those guys, kind of like a Brutus Beefcake uh, when Zeus was in the picture. He's that next-tier baby face that you can put uh, in Hogan, with Hogan, and it, people buy it. People, people accept Boss Man in that role. How interesting is this? I'm looking at that card right now, Jay. Earlier in the show is Jake the Snake Roberts against Bad News Brown, and Big Boss Man's the special guest referee in this match. So double duty by the Boss Man, SummerSlam 1990. Double duty. Let's see. I'm in a chat room right now. It says Tugboat was supposed to be in Hogan's corner, but it didn't happen. Does anybody know the reason why? Was he hurt? Does anybody know? And the answer is... No one can recall any specific reason. That's hmm. interesting. That is interesting. It, That's something. I wonder, was, was it a last-second thing because Bossman was already placed on the card as a special guest referee for Jake and Bad News Brown, this report saying so? Huh. Hey, we could, we could have next week's topic right now, SummerSlam we, 1990. We could talk all about it. Yeah, we haven't done SummerSlam 90 yet. That would be a great one. All right, we'll so let's check see the archives. This. If we haven't done it, SummerSlam 90 is on the table, and we'll get to the bottom of the Tugboat Boss Man fiasco. 
Yeah, man. We got to, we got to, we got to, there's a lot to talk about. A lot of big matches in this show, too. You had the Hart Foundation against Demolition. You had, like I said, Jake and Bad News Brown. You had Macho Man against Dusty. You had Warrior and Rude in a cage. So, uh, big pay per view. I think that we should definitely talk about it next week here on the podcast. Next week, topic's been chosen: SummerSlam 1990. We're gonna get to the bottom of this tugboat situation. I, if I have to send him a message directly and text him and ask him, I will. You've got connections. I saw him at your '80s wrestling con. He would be the man who knows the He's answer. Been at the store a couple times too. Well, there you go. Send out a question to him. That. See if he can get us back the answer before next week's show. That'd be incredible. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll have him on and he can talk about it himself. That would be even better. That would yeah, be even man. better. Uh, before we sign off, I'll give you my three boss man moments that are just, uh, I love the Twin Towers. The angle against uh, Hogan and Savage goes down as one of the best angles ever, and so I love the Twin Towers. I love boss man versus Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania 7. Yeah. I love... Boss Man versus the Mountie and the Loser Goes to Jail in SummerSlam oh, 91. Those are three things that I'm just excited about. Yeah, man. I, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. It was uh, the Boss Man Mountie angle in the storyline. That was really, really good stuff, too. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you, you just said a couple big ones, and, and I did as well. And then in the later years, like I said, he did stuff with Big, uh, big Show and, and that silly stuff during the Attitude Era. But, I mean, overall... I mean, what a career this man has had in professional wrestling. I mean, uh, we can probably still talk a couple more hours about all his big memories, matches, and moments. But he's just one of those guys, one of those names that will live forever in the world of professional wrestling. A hundred years from now, uh, they'll look back during that period and say Big Boss Man was one of the biggest stars in the business at that time. And he definitely carved uh, his name into history forever, in my opinion. You are absolutely right. Tommy, the lines are lighting up one more time with a caller. I'm looking through our past caller list. I don't see the number. Hopefully, it's somebody who's going to help us get to the bottom of SummerSlam 1990. Let's go to the slam line. Caller, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hello. Caller, are you there? It's Mr. X. Mr. X, nobody on the line. Interesting, interesting. Well, the mystery will have to live on until next week. Maybe it was Tommy Sheik, but he didn't want to talk. It might have been Tommy Sheik, might have heard my voice, and he thought, uh, better not test a five-time Slammy Award-winning host like Jumpin' Jay. (laughs) That's great. That's well, right. we, got our, we got our topic chosen for next week already, Tommy. Anything going on? We already talked a little bit about this weekend, but what's something in the world of ISPW, something in the world? You had a big announcement related to ISPW on your social media earlier about someone who's going to be appearing at uh, the King of ISPW Tournament. I don't know if you want to share that online or let yeah, people sure. seek it out for themselves. Tell us a little bit about what you have cooking for the King of ISPW. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be doing the King of ISPW Tournament on Friday evening, September the 23rd at the Totowa PAL, the ISPW Arena in Totowa, New Jersey, 7.30 p.m. bell time. It's going to be a King of the Ring-style tournament, and the winner, Jay, will be crowned with the King of ISPW. And listen, man, I, I, I got to send you a picture. I went, we went all out, man. 
we have the we have the robe. I'm sorry, the cape. We have the crown, like Harley Race, that purple cape and crown. We have uh, we have the scepter, like Macho Man had. We have uh, the throne, a purple throne. Uh, it's really cool, man. So we're going all out the King of ISPW tournament again Friday, September 23rd, Totua, New Jersey, at the Totua PAL, and uh, special appearance there by former WWF, WWE. WCW star NXT trainer Bill DeMott will be up in the New Jersey area that weekend and uh, he's going to be appearing live at ISPW. You can learn a lot more about his foundation for his daughter who was tragically killed a uh, drunk driving incident and uh, his uh, Bill and his family has started a, a charity several years back in her memory and uh, they'll be appearing at the show to, you know, um, educate people more about that. And then he's also going to be presenting. And, and he, he, he came up in this area, Jay. Uh, he did independence in this area when he was first breaking in as Big Sweet Williams, then Crash the Terminator. So he, he has a lot of ties to New Jersey. And I remember as a kid, Jay, I was 15 years old when I was still doing my uh, wrestling newsletter I was going to these independent shows and, and interviewing guys for my newsletter. He's one of the guys that not only did I interview, but he took a liking to me and actually would used to come and pick me up at my house and bring me to his shows with him because he lived like 10 minutes away from me. So I remember in a couple different times he came, picked me up uh, and took me to shows. So it's going to be special to have him there to present the winner of the King of ISW tournament with the uh, Cape and Crown at uh, the King of ISW tournament. That is a huge announcement. As like you said, he wrestled in multiple uh, companies. He's a trainer. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. And so to have a guy of that magnitude come in to present the winner of King of ISPW with their crown, with their cape. You said you had a big throne for them to sit on. I don't know if New Jersey has got some kind of wrestling gimmick superstore that you go to, but I mean, you've got a dog collar one one show. Now you got a crown, a cape, and a throne. You're just keeping the wrestling gimmick store in business, and I'm sure they appreciate that from you. <laughs> yeah, man. It's right down the street from my shop. Again, the Wrestling Collector, uh, Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Hey, Jay, man, listen, I hope you and your family have a great Labor Day weekend. Hope you guys have some burgers and dogs and a couple cold ones uh, in honor of me and my friends. Of course, and I hope you do the very same. Before you do your famous end-of-the-show sign-off, Tommy, do you have any piece of Boss Man merchandise in your store since we're talking about him? Is there anything, if you look around, do you see a folder? Do you see a figure? Do you see anything? With his picture I see, on it, right? I see right. A big boss man, big giant sticker. I'm looking at right now. Love it. And, Love it. And I know I have some loose big boss man figures as well. What's your favorite boss man figure? Are you an LJN guy? That one is rare and hard oh, to man, come by. Or are you a Hasbro guy? What's your go-to boss man figure? If, if it's for me, getting merchandise in the store, obviously the big boss man. Uh, LJN, I mean that that yeah. one in great shape is is going for four or five hundred bucks. Uh, yes, it is. So uh, yeah, if, if anything's coming to that store, Bossman related, I definitely wanted to be uh, the LJN then. So is that going to go? If if it happens, if somebody walks in after today's show with a Lucy LJN Bossman and you're able to secure it, 
Does that go out in the storefront, or does that go back on Tommy Fiero's special "Do Not Sell" shelf? No, nah, man, it goes out on the on the on the it goes out on the floor. The trying All to right. sell. I, I have I have my private stash, though, brother. I got my private stash. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have a great weekend, everyone out there. Thank you for listening, as always. And we'll catch you next next week here on the SummerSlam 1990 edition of 80s Wrestling, the podcast.